You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions 14-24 at home off of a big game from Justin Fields. I bring on Aaron Lemming to talk through the ups and downs of this, let's say, unusual game on this episode of Bear With Me. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I am coming at you live right after the game. Things just wrapped up in Chicago with none other than CBS Sports and also Windy City Gridiron's Aaron Lemming to break things down. Aaron, the Bears have their second win of the season in four games. How are you feeling? Not not great, not terrible. Just kind of, I mean, they did what they needed to do, right? So, you know, anybody who's watching this just realize I'm on my phone. I can't get my computer to work. This feels like a really awkward angle. So, but yeah, you know, it, it, they got the win, right? I, I, and that's kind of the thing. I think there was a lot of people like for as, as optimistic or as pessimistic as you want to be about this season, you don't lose the Lions, right? So yeah. at least, <laughs> at least that didn't happen because I know there were some people talking about, you know, Matt Nagy possibly losing his job if they lost. I don't think that was ever the case, but you never root for your team to lose, especially this early on in the season, especially when you don't have a first round draft pick in 2022. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh, no. And not to mention, I mean, Aaron, one thing I think we can just start this show off with, because I saw a lot of discussion on Twitter, even in the Windy City Gridiron comment section about how the Bears were probably going to lose to the Lions. Oh, man, like this was going to be this is going to be a tougher game than we think. And don't get me wrong, the Lions are scrappy, but I do get the impression that there was some major overreaction to getting beat by one of the best defenses in football. I mean, even if today they stymied the Vikings after an initial touchdown, so at least they're starting to make us feel better about getting destroyed last week. But the downgrade in opponent, from Browns to Lions, fair to say that's probably one of the steepest drop-offs the Bears are going to see this season. It may, it probably will be the absolute steepest drop-off. I mean, you're talking one of the best defenses in the NFL and then one of the absolute worst defenses and just really worst team in the NFL. And to the Lions' credit, they're rebuilding. This is These are the games... Again, regardless of how bad the season goes, these are the games the Bears have to win. And, you know, for the most part, even with the Bengals game, I mean, the Bengals are 3-1. and one, But, you know, the Bengals, I, th- I think everybody could, would agree that the Bengals are still in the process of kind of figuring out who they are as a team. But these are the kind of teams that you have to beat, and these are the kind of games that you have to win. So, you know, it just, it's one of those things, again, I think the biggest piece of importance right now is Justin Fields' development. And whether or not we see him next week, I guess we'll find out. I don't think we will. I, you know, it, it is what it is. But at the same time, if this is how he goes back on the bench, if this is the type of performance that he goes back on the bench with, 
that's a heck of a lot better than uh, going, you know, going back to the bench six to twenty for sixty some odd yards like he was last week. So I'll take it at this point. Absolutely. And one thing that I think is hilarious, by the way, about this game. So look, unfortunately, I am an analyst that started his career analyzing the Bears. So I have done a lot of justifying or breaking down or coming through, basically telling people that the quarterback who's bad, um, their box score isn't great. But they played better than, I don't know what it would be, like 22 for 40 with, you get the idea. This box score is a real liar. Because Fields comes in at 11 for 17, 209 yards, zero TDs, and one INT. And normally, you might look, if you think about it, and say, wait, that's a ton of yards per attempt. But I don't normally look at completions per attempt standard but in this case 20901 obviously that's not a great line my goodness was justin fields throwing the hell out of the ball today or what after one goofy pass to darnell mooney he stapled it to mooney for 125 yards robinson for three catches 63 i mean the bears number one and number two receivers showed out in a big way today and fields arm only seemed to get more and more and more impossibly accurate as it went on you know what i mean yeah no i'm right there with you man it's uh yeah no it's you know this is this is going to be one of those games where if you're a box score scout then you're going to have you're going to have the ability to kind of go back and say okay well he wasn't really that good he's not ready that was that was the narrative all of last week right or all of this week more the point he's not ready he's not ready he's not ready it's like yeah but you know it's if you look at the box score it, don't get me wrong Justin Fields was bad last week but so were about five other things offensively that contributed you know really big to that so yeah it's it's one of those things i think for the most part, Justin Fields had a really good game. And once again, and not to make excuses, but once again, you know, guys need to make plays. Cole Komet, looking at you, man. Like, oh. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like you're, what, 250, 260 pounds? Play like it. Don't play like an 180-pound receiver. It's like the one where he fell down on the deep pass that uh, Justin Fields actually threw really well. Same thing in the end zone. Yes, he was being held. Act like you're 260 pounds, yeah. man. Those are the kind of things where I think as time goes on, those are the things that will absolutely get squared away. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we we have to talk about some of the throws because I want to get into scheme, but let's start with the obvious stuff. When Fields dropped back in the shotgun, laced the, I think I counted, it was 50 yards as the crow flies to Darnell Mooney in, I think, either the late first quarter, early second. Either way, that was that eye-pop moment I know Chicago was waiting for. I can only imagine what it was like for Jeff Burkus, Ross Reed, and the other guys we know in the stands at that point. But then he follows it up with... With a teardrop to Darnell Mooney that had accuracy we haven't seen in literal years in Chicago. A beautiful, looked like a cover two, it might have been cover four, but probably a cover two hole shot to Allen Robinson that was impossibly accurate. I mean, it couldn't have been better thrown, as well as a couple balls over the middle, so on and so forth. This game from an analysis perspective, especially having watched the Bears for forever, left me just about breathless at Fields' ability to throw the ball deep. And like you're saying, I mean, God forbid he doesn't play another down for Chicago this season, but if he doesn't, I'm pretty confident because he made some more rookie mistakes. I can't pretend like Fields' game was flawless today. The strip sack, gotta get the ball out. The interception, look, being ticky-tack, 
because everybody focuses on fields too much. That was a great play by the Lions de- or the Lions linebacker, but theoretically, Fields could have been just a smidge quicker on some of his short throws, but it was way better than last week. I think you'd agree there. We didn't take nine sacks. We took, I think it was three, maybe two, maybe even just one. But either way, one. N- one. Yeah, was it I just think it one? Was- I go back and look. I haven't looked at the box score than anything yet, but I want to say it was just the one. It was the, the strip sack, I think, was the only one. Might have been. Mm hmm. I think that there are some of those little things Fields could do, but the nice thing is we drafted him to be a home run hitter. Today, he hit the home runs. All you could ask for, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. is, And I, and I think that, that where the, the push for Fields starting, that was kind of one of the things where I think a lot of us were worried about. It's like, do not put unrealistic expectations on this guy, right? It, it, he's still a rookie. He's still, in terms of, you know, most rookies coming out of the NFL right now, I mean, let's just be honest here, most rookies coming out of the NFL or coming out into the NFL out of college aren't ready. They're not ready. The quote-unquote ready. It's just, it is, but that's so subjective. And the thing is, is at this point in time, you let these guys learn. I mean, look at at what Trevor Lawrence has done. Look at what Zach Wilson's done. Look at what Mac Jones has done. Mac Jones has probably been the most consistent. And even at that, he's basically been a game manager. Uh, Zach Wilson had a pretty solid game today. I don't, I didn't end up seeing the final score, but again, he threw another interception. You know, and then Trevor Lawrence had his best game that he's had, you know, through four games of his rookie career or his NFL career and his rookie season so far on, you know, uh, Thursday night football, and everybody's, you know, doing cartwheels. But the week before, the same exact people were talking about how, you know, how disappointing this rookie class has been and how there may not actually be a star. And that's the thing is it's so reactive from a week to week perspective. And Bears fans have to keep the same thing in mind when we're talking about Justin Fields. There's going to be times, there's going to be games when he doesn't look good. And there's also going to be times like we saw today where it's just like out of nowhere. He makes these amazing throws like we saw coming from, you know, coming out of Ohio State. And I think that's kind of the big thing moving forward is, you know, however many games, I, I'm sure even if he doesn't play uh, this next week, um, I, I, I do think that he will play at some point again this year, right? But it's just one of those things everybody has to kind of keep perspective on it, right? There's going to be rookie mistakes. There's always going to be things that you can pick apart in his game this year. It is what it is. Yep, 100%. And, I mean, you said it. You said something I think is really important here. There have been so many debates on, oh, gosh, the Bears are going to go back to Dalton? I mean, goodness gracious, if, if Zach Wilson's playing, how can Justin Fields not be ready? And it's like none of them are ready. I mean, the, the NFL doesn't really seem to have a good grasp on how to develop a quarterback. There's no set path at the very least. Right now, you're seeing a lot of these quarterbacks get thrown out there. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's pushing the ball deep and he's getting punished for it with turnovers interceptions etc etc Zach Wilson looks like he's just really struggling seems pretty raw Trey Lance isn't playing so he's not getting criticized because you get the idea we we could do a whole thing on that Mm -hmm. and then Justin Fields comes out here and he just evaporates in the face of a free runner and throws the ball to Cole Komet that would have Komet running out in space like Komet has to break the the throw forces Komet to break away from his wide receiver and catch or his corner and catch the ball running through the middle of the field where there was a ton of space and then Komet eats it and trips and oh my gosh I was just I was pulling my hair out 
about Aaron because yeah. Fields is going to be a little bit slow to throw the ball. We know that. Like, his game is touchdown to checkdown, and the rest of all of what is an NFL quarterback getting the ball out, knowing when to say die, knowing when to break out, manage the pocket, run for a first down, all that stuff, all that decision making, it's going to be a little slower on, but that had the potential to be the best play of Fields' young NFL career. And you talked about Kmet. I realized that in a scatterbrain moment, I was supposed to circle back to it on my last statement. He was somebody that I wanted to see more from today. I mean, yeah. I get it. He's blocking tight end, or at least Bears are starting to, or Bears fans seem to be starting to pigeonhole him in that area. But as a second round pick, I wanted to make a play that I've seen Ben Broniker make, that I've seen other tight ends around this NFL mm -hmm. make that aren't Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and so on and so forth. Because that and selling the hold would have both been very helpful Bears offensive plays. And while it's nice that he caught a throw right on his body on, I think, a first and 10 later in the half, he's definitely something that I think needs to start taking that step before or sooner rather than later. Or he may have started or he may have just now started to really walk down that path of making, let's say, not so positive a name for himself, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I hate to say it, but there is there are shades of Adam Shaheen in his game. And a lot of that just comes down to, again, man, he's, he's a big dude. He's huge. It's like play like you're a 250 or 260 pound player. Do not play like you're a 180 pound receiver. And that's, it's just, I, I don't know, man, I didn't like the pick at the time. So maybe I'm going to have a little bit of bias with it. I know a lot of Notre Dame fans like the pick. I personally did not. I thought he was more of a third or fourth round tight end in a really weak tight end class. And here we are. But, again, it's kind of one of those things when you have Cole Komet, who's a second-round pick, and then you've got a guy in Jimmy Graham who still has not factored into anything so far. It's like you need more production from the Titans, especially in this offense. You absolutely have to have it. Yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the big plays that really stood out to me where that's just something that you have to have. Like, that, that is a play that you have to have. Cole Komet has got to keep his feet. And then you know, obviously the same thing with that missed touchdown. Cole Komet has got to just, you know, either sell the play or again, play like he's uh, 250 or 260 pounds. Like what I, you can't have it both ways. And that's really what it comes down to. But, you know, it's just one of those things where this is a year where they're going to figure out a lot about mm -hmm. their roster as a whole. They're going to figure out who they can rely on and who they can't and go from there and figure out. Because, I mean, regardless of who, you know, who is coaching this team next year, they're going to need more out of their tight ends. Right. I mean, I think we all know that at this point. So I guess this is at least a good time to figure out what exactly Cole Komet is. I've always kind of felt like Komet at best was going to be Kyle Rudolph, maybe. And there's still time, but uh, as of right now, it's I'm I'm not I haven't been overly impressed with Komet at all right. so far this season. And I just to point out because we've already talked about how reactionary week to week that a lot of discussion around the NFL can be. I am still willing to give him that three year window. To all the people in the chat that are saying Komet can be that guy, I think he's got time. I don't think anybody's asking to cut the kid. We just need to see him in hockey. Aaron, I don't know how much hockey or soccer you would watch, but they would call a lot of what happened today that Komet needs to keep his feet. That there is a reasonable standard at which somebody has been knocked down, but there's also a reasonable standard at which somebody has fallen, and it felt like Kmet slipped into that second category both times. You, you and I are kind of both talking about it. Now, we're also seeing a lot of conversation pop up right now about whether you think Nagy or Laser called plays. Who do you think it was and why? 
I think it was absolutely Bill Lazor today. I think the the pan the panning over that they made with the with the sideline in the first quarter very clearly signaled uh, that Matt Nagy was not calling plays. I mean, he was over there checking uh, play calls off the sheet, but as play calls were coming into the huddle, he was not the one making them. So I think at least from everything that we saw and who knows how much, you know, grip he has on all this, I think it was absolutely 100% Bill Lazor. Mm-hmm. I think Nagy's got input. I mean, at least he was talking in the headset, so I think he's part of the conversation. But it seemed like the Bears came into this game with a direct intention of staying under center as often as they can. Now, if I, who does not have a degree in football, let's just put it that way, could give any input, I want to see them drop fields back a little bit, like from under center, because that seems to be the, I don't know, the final ingredient to really building an offensive identity out of playing under center is that if you felt the same way I did, Aaron, it gets hilariously declarative when the Bears are like, up there in shotgun, they're passing. And yeah. so it's, if we can get away from that, that'd yeah. be great. But asking, There's a lot of predictability mm-hmm. within their offense as a whole, even with their personnel sets. It's, it's usually pretty easy to see what they're going to be doing based right. on how they're, how they're lined up and who they're lined up with. Right. And in my personal opinion, I mean, when you're the Buffalo Bills and you line up in an empty set with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and a lot of the weapons they have, sure, be predictable. There are a lot of different things that you can do in just the passing game alone that makes you more complex than that. But when you're the Bears... You probably need to hide the ball a little bit, play a little closer to Cleveland's game. (laughs) And, you know, less, less hiding who the quarterback and the offensive play caller are, you know, pregame and more actually doing, you know, doing enough in game to, you know, hide what they're actually trying to do. Yeah, that would would probably that'd probably be preferable at this point. And I'll be the first to say so I'm the second to say that I also think it's Bill Lazor calling the plays for sure, because it seemed as if it was the same playbook, but with a different identity behind it. I just would have liked to see. And I know that there are going to be some hardcore Bears fans out there that are like, no, 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 no. They pounded the rock just like they should have. I'd like to see a little bit more play action. Because especially once Fields really started dropping back, I'm not sure he at any point dropped back into a play-action set and didn't hit a deep throw. Like, I don't even think they forced a check down out of him, let alone anything else. And so my thinking is, is that when you've got that weapon, use it. But at the same time, I have no idea what really was going on. We truly, we don't know how many fi- or how many plays Fields does and doesn't have a grasp on. He's a rookie. We can assume it's like Madden and the player just magically knows the playbook, but we both know that's not realistic. So maybe they had him on a pitch count. Maybe they didn't want him to take hits. Maybe they wanted him to be the home run hitter that picked up all their chunk plays and then just get a whole bunch of run game work in the rest of the way. But either way, the 30 the 32nd ranked offense coming into this game certainly looked a lot better than that if only 27th best against a defense that probably should have done a little better at containing them to talk about the lions but hey i will take it every single time you know yeah it's been this is a weird performance defensively for the bears and i know i had a few people that were like you know earlier in the game when they were up you know 14 nothing like i haven't given up any points how can this be how could they be looking bad at times it's like yeah but they also there were they were, in my opinion, they were more lucky than good today. And yes, they had some cost, or some timely turnovers. Uh, but at the same time, like I mean, when you what was it the first like three offensive drives for them, they get all the way down within the red zone, basically inside the ten yard line. It was more luck than anything that they didn't give up more points than they did. And obviously, you know, looking at what the what the lines have done, 
in some ways it's funny offensively they're kind of like the bears they've been able to move the ball it's just you know consistently scoring and consistently not shooting themselves in the foot whether it's from the personnel on the field or even the coaching i mean that's the thing i think a lot of people forget like dan campbell's the first time head coach yes he did have some time uh what was that in miami i think when he was the interim head coach uh, but, you know, you got Aaron Glenn, who's a first-time defensive coordinator. There's a lot of first-times for them. I actually, you know, for as much as I rag on the Lions, I actually think the Lions are setting themselves up good for the future. Obviously, we need to see how things play out. But it's just one of those things where, yeah, you'd like to see the Bears play better. But at the same time, the bottom line is they gave it 14 points, right? And that's really, if you, regardless of, you know, this what just happened today and you know them giving up all the yards and them coming up with some timely turnovers you would take this 100 percent of the time over what we saw in week one against the rams and the bears defense for the most part has played much better and i think part of what today was was the fact that akeem hicks went out really early uh khalil mack wasn't on the field that much so you know that that pass rush wasn't there like it had been i mean they they'd been i think what was it i think they'd had was it nine or 10 sacks the two games prior up until this game? You know, they got to golf a little bit, but not as much as they have. Uh, they weren't as good, you know, stopping the run as well. And I think a lot of that had to do with Hicks not being on the field. So, you know, things happen, but that's the thing is injuries are going to continue to happen. Luckily they got good depth there. We'll figure, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but next week's going to be a really interesting test because the Raiders, man, they've been playing really good football. Oh yeah. And I mean, Look, it, it's funny because on one hand, I, I could tell you, Aaron, if I wanted to spin the narrative this way, that the Bears defense was timely because they got into the red zone. Robert Quinn makes an incredible individual play, forces the strip sack that we've been waiting. What do you think? 18 games to see basically since that first snap he had in New York where he did the same thing. But at the same time, I mean, come on, Aaron, how do I make the argument that they weren't also lucky when they had a snap glance off of Jared Goff's chest yeah. and bounced straight into Nichols, who caught it like cat like yeah. reflexes there from Bilal to pull that ball down and just I remember watching that play and I was like, I don't have any idea what happened. Like how did Bilal yeah. Nichols end up with the ball? He's over there seeing on the replay was it almost looked like a Madden glitch, didn't it? One of the most lions weird. things I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was weird. And it's funny because then, you know, later on in the game, I think it was Travis Gibson had the strip sack. And it bounces right back to Jared Goff and he gets six yards up, you know? So it's just one of those, yeah, it better to be lucky than good sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. I think I think you might have actually been the one to say that in real time. <laughs> and it's it's the sort of thing that I look at, Aaron. The, the most positive thing I could say about it is that I think that there's just about nothing harder in the NFL to this day, like in this day and age anyways, than playing extremely well on defense twice in a row. It's really yeah. tough. Like, defense especially, you have to have so many things go right. You can't draw a penalty, which the Bears did a ton of today, committing different penalties of all shapes and sizes. You mm -hmm. have to suss out the opponent's game plan. You have to take away whatever it is that they want to do. In Desai's case, you have to deal with the fact that you're still playing Duke Shelley, Dion Bush is fine, Kendall Vildor is okay, and Alec Ogletree really struggles in coverage. So you've got enough problems on your defense and certainly Deion Bush blew a coverage which did not help anything later in the game yeah. after a game like the Bengals which was followed up with a game like the Browns a down week made sense as it happened in real time I found myself going oh, yeah what was I asking this Bears defense to be like we didn't think they were that good either week and yet they mm -hmm. showed it so that's the most positive way I can basically say 
the the D line seemed like it got to J- Jared Goff well. I think I've got somebody in the chat saying that they sacked Goff five times, which doesn't feel like what happened, did it? Yeah, the Lions I think just... a lot of that came later on in the game. Yeah, you know? but, and the Lions kept getting the yards back. Sack on, yeah. what was it, second and 20, led to a 25-yard completion on third down. Like, there were some ugly parts to this game. Yeah, but, there were, for sure. But, for, hey, you know what? I mean, it's they've had to rely on their defense a lot. And I know a lot of people thought that last week's defensive performance wasn't good, but it's like, no, man, the Browns got a good offense. Like, the, the Bears – Oh, yeah. The Bears did a good job last week, and I would say that the Bears had a better performance last week. But when you look at the, you know, when you look at the box score, you're going to see 14 points. And again, really, it, yeah, it is nitpicky at this point for either one of us to be saying much of anything uh, because the reality of it is they gave up 14 points. Yes, the Lions aren't very good, but I mean their defense came up and especially came up, you know, late in the game after that blown coverage again. How many times have we seen that, man, where it's like they have this commanding lead and all of a sudden it starts slipping away <laughs> little bit by little bit and they were able to stop the bleeding today. Luckily, this wasn't a three-point game and we're sweating out an onside kick in the last right. 50, 50 seconds of the game or whatever it was. So, you know, at this point in time, I'll take it. Sounds silly, but at the end of the day, that's why you have build the 17-point lead in the first place. Is mm-hmm. So you can give up a gash, get one back on fourth down that it felt like the Lions should have. If that was the Bears on offense, we would have said, ah, you want to see blank quarterback and blank receiver make that play because he beat Duke Shelley. But you take the bounce as it comes. Either way, yep. the unfortunate truth, Aaron, is is that we've got enough negatives to talk about, be it the schedule and an injury that I have intentionally not mentioned yet, but we'll have to do that on the flip side right after the sponsors get their word in. Guys, we'll see y'all later. I want to tell you guys about a fun game called Thrive Fantasy, which combines the fun of daily fantasy sports and the rush of making prop bets. And what it is, is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props, so you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that will have the biggest impact in every game. Here's how it works. You'll choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build your lineup, and each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Thrive has over 140 grand guaranteed prizes for NFL's week one and has already awarded over $4 million. And Thrive has a featured 100 grand guaranteed contest that just costs 20 bucks to enter and first place will take home $20,000. Just use our promo code WINDYCITY when you sign up today and you're going to get a 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Free money is always good. Just download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play Store or go onto the website www.thrivefantasy.com. And remember, sign up with our promo code Windy City, good luck, and prop up today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back to bear with me with myself, Robert Schmitz, and Aaron Lemming walking through the Chicago Bears game versus the Detroit Lions. The Bears have evened their record at 2-2. Two and, two. and Aaron, 
as you saw, and I know I did, the Bears took a blow, cap, like huge blow on their offense as somebody that I might describe as their heart and soul went down with an injury that the broadcast would not show us a second time because, and I quote, it was too gruesome. What are you thinking about David Montgomery right now? Well, you know, I hate to hate to say it, man, but that did not look good at all. And it's funny because I actually have a friend that's a Bears fan and has covered Ohio, Iowa and Iowa State um, for the last 15 years. And he was basically saying that, uh, you know, it, it he's escaped some serious knee injuries a few times now. And I hate to say it, um, but I, I, I don't think he's escaping this one and i mean we've seen him in the, the last few years like even even the groin injury in training camp a lot of us thought that was gonna be a lot worse than it was but the fact that they wouldn't show it for one um is not good and then two the fact that he was ruled out so early is is not a good thing and it's, it's very unfortunate because david montgomery has been the bears best and most consistent offensive player uh you could probably say at least this year uh, one of the best last year as well i think alan robinson would probably take the cake on that one but yeah, man, a very unfortunate injury. Luckily, as we've seen, um, you know, the, the Ravens have lost many of running backs this year. A lot of teams have lost running backs. Running back is at least one of the easier um, spots to be able to replace. And while I don't think Damian Williams is as good, I do think he has a little bit more burst. And I think him and, uh, you know, obviously we don't know what's going to go on with Tariq Cohen, but him and Khalil Herbert should at least be somewhat of an interesting combination moving forward if he is indeed out for a while. Mm-hmm, 100%. It, the, the and also, person, I want to apologize. My cat is just like losing his mind right now. I'm sure you can hear it in the background. <laughs> I it's can't. Like he just, but cats yeah, do what just, they want to do. Yeah, he's just, well. He he wants to go out, and we we just got another cat. That's a whole different story. But oh. he can't be out there right now, so he's just yelling at the door. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm just I'm just basically gonna mute anytime I'm not on, or else he'll he'll <laughs> end up it. in this too. So I feel like I have to come at the Montgomery injury both directions that I think are important, right? So on one direction, we have to go the human side. I am heartbroken for David Montgomery. So Pro Football Doc is speculating, because it is speculation until we hear anything, that it might be an MCL sprain. If it's not a tear in the ACL or MCL, first of all, that's amazing. Standard David Montgomery to avoid a huge injury and make it something recoverable. But on the more direct note, Montgomery looked extraordinarily improved. I actually thought he was setting himself up for the rare running back payday. And so to get that momentum cut out from under him with an injury to his lower body, obviously important for playing running back, that breaks my heart. Now, on the team-building perspective, this is exactly why you draft uh, Khalil Herbert. This is why you pick up Damian Williams. This is why, when you lose Tariq Cohen and you also lose David Montgomery, you've got a backup plan at maybe the most violent of the NFL skill positions. I actually have to tip my hat to Ryan Pace on this point because for a sixth-round pick, I always thought Khalil Herbert was a bit of a bargain, and now I still feel as if the Bears have a decent running back by committee right now with Williams and Herbert. Nothing crazy, nothing exceptional, but... But it's not as if they have dropped to the UDFA region at this point, especially based on the little bit of juice we've seen from, well, juice in his kick returns. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I think we're going to see a different kind of run game now moving forward. You know, I think we can both agree that even if Montgomery's not out for the year and I hope pro football doc David Chow's right. I, I, I hope that he is not out for the year. 
But I think we can both agree that he's probably going to miss some time. And for the, the meantime, you got two guys that have very different running styles from David Montgomery. I think we're going to start seeing a lot more outside zone because I think they're going to have to. That's just more of Damian Williams' game, at least in my opinion. And Khalil Herbert's going to be interesting as well. He's got some bursts. So, you know, again, though, like – and maybe that kind of goes in with the, the mindset that both of us kind of have moving into this year where you're not looking at it from a perspective of, man, this is really going to ruin their season. You're looking at this as a perspective <laughs> of, you know, what can you see differently? What, you know, how different is the run game going to look? How is a guy like Khalil Herbert going to look now? You know, maybe you bring up a guy like Artavis Pierce or, you know, maybe Ryan Null, whatever it may be. You, you have some options there to where you can kind of start to figure things out a little bit more. But I don't think this is it from an emotional standpoint for David Montgomery, he's worked his butt off. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about how, you know, how much quicker he's, he's become, you know, stronger, not going down after contact. I mean, he, again, he's been their best offensive player consistently all year. Uh, so from an emotional standpoint, yeah, it's terrible. Um, but from a, from a football standpoint, looking at the bears, yes, it will hurt them, but I don't think it's going to be a death blow. And I don't think we're going to be looking at a Raven situation where, you know, every single guy on their, you know, on their depth chart right now on the, the, the NFL side, you know, not talking about the practice squad side, but their actual active roster are guys that they went into the season or, you know, they went into the season not thinking that they were going to need Latavius mm-hmm. Murray, uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Tyson Williams. I mean, there's, I, I, I know there's another veteran that I'm forgetting. So at least it's not at that point. Like, you know, to your point, you know, this is why you this is why you go out and you draft a guy like Khalil Herbert. This is why you go out and you sign a guy like Damian Williams to a veteran minimum deal who has experience in this offense. I think this is a, this is a spot where you can lose a starter. And yes, it's going to hurt you a little bit. And yes, it does suck. But at the same time, this is also a spot where I think the Bears can kind of pick up where they've left off. And maybe we'll see some new things in the run game now. I hope so. And honestly, if I could harp on something that I want to see more of from the Bears, goodness gracious, get the screen game going. It's not uh-huh. like it's some integral part of every NFL offense, but it feels as if right now, especially with Justin Fields in the game, your choices are a throwdown field or a run. And there are a lot more choices than that when it comes to NFL offense, for crying out loud. We saw, <laughs> what was it, Damian Williams run an orbit motion screen just today, and one of the two wide receivers that was blocking for the play botched the block and they still pick up eight eight yards off of a quote-unquote free completion that's the stuff that i want to see a little bit more of it doesn't always have to be a wide receiver reverse or a flea flicker or something outstandingly complicated but the bears i think could do a lot of good to themselves to get out of exclusively running the ball or throwing the ball, which sound like your only two options, but you can screen the ball. You can do, use an option run where it feels like Fields may actually be a threat. Fields doesn't seem right now to be getting honored as much by the defense as soon as, what was it, the first play passed for the Browns, where the Browns got punished for honoring Fields. It seems as if he's not pulling the ball, and I'd have to obviously go back to the L22 to really suss out whether those are good or incorrect decisions, but more creativity in the run game than just let's run outside zone and more creativity in the passing game than just we throw the ball short or we throw the ball deep. I know I'm speaking in very broad brush and generic terms, but there are more options than that. And I I feel like the bears could infuse a couple of those because they'll need them to beat the Ravens and the Raiders and the 49ers and the Packers. Like the rest of their schedule is a meat grinder. And yeah, I don't think this offense works against a lot of those teams. Well, and that kind of goes back to you have some building blocks now, right? You have some building blocks of what you were able to do today. But yeah, this 
this offensive game plan is not going to work against better teams. I mean, that's just as simple as that. Even teams that maybe like the Packers, for example, who may not have that great of a defense, they're still a much better defense than what the Lions are. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think – you know, this should be a building block in the way of fields. It should be a building block in the way of, you know, their, their offensive play calling, Bill Lazor, uh, and, and using some new concepts as a whole to try to get them back in. You know, Matt Nagy is supposed to be this offensive genius. And, you know, so far we haven't really seen this, but this is a good way to kind of start moving forward and, and building some other things. And, again, I still don't think he's going to be able to save his job at this point. I could be wrong, but the, you know, it, if you want to save your job, if you're Matt Nagy, this is kind of a starting point for you right now and, and having to get creative. And like you said, you know, Damian Williams is, he's got some more bursts. He's, he's good as a receiver. He's a really good fit in this offense. Uh, Khalil Herbert, not much, uh, not as much of a proven receiver, but he's also got some pop too. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to see what happens, but I do think that because of this, this is going to force him to kind of change things up a little bit and, and hopefully it's for the better. Hopefully this will kind of expand their horizons a little bit. I sure hope so. But speaking of horizons, there's always something on it. And as we close the show out, let's get a little bit forward looking. Okay. So specifically talking about the Raiders game, do you think that the Bears are going to go back to Andy Dalton, or do you think they stick with Fields after today? I think it's I, I think it's absolutely one hundred percent Dalton. I think if Dalton's healthy, well, I should say it's one hundred percent Dalton if Dalton's healthy. I you know I, I think this week, my personal take, I think this this week was a little smoke and mirrors in terms of the the practice and him being limited and him being a game time decision. I, I think the entire plan. This entire week has been Justin Fields is going to start, but we also kind of want to see where Andy Dalton is. I mean, we just referenced pro football doc David Chow not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, he said multiple times that he thinks that this is going to be a multiple-week injury. Not a two-week injury, but, you know, three-plus weeks. So we'll see. I, I, I think if Dalton is good to go, I think he's absolutely going to be your starter. Um, but with a caveat being, like you just pointed out, man, this is a really tough schedule and this doesn't get any easier for the bears anytime soon. So just because Andy Dalton takes over next week, doesn't mean that we're not going to see Justin Fields here in a few weeks. And also just to kind of, you know, keep it this in mind too, with this, with this bone bruise that he has, he can make it worse. If it's not fully healed, he absolutely 100% can make it worse. And it also puts him at a higher risk for another knee injury, like an ACL and MCL, something right. like that. So I, I would say this, even if Dalton comes back in and starts for the next few games, don't put a stamp on Justin Fields uh, season just yet, because I don't think it's anywhere close to being over. But I do think if Dalton is healthy, he's going to be the starter for week five. Oh, sure. And not to sound too brash or maybe cold hearted. I really don't care about the Bears wins and losses at the end of this season. So Mm -hmm. even so, I do like watching a competitive team on Chicago Bears Sundays. And so speaking in terms of trying to win the football games, I can't help but feel like going back to Dalton would just reset all the progress that they made this week. And I'll be the first to say it's against the Lions. They scored 21 points in a little over a half against the Lions, seemed to take their foot off the gas and kind of got punished for it. So let's not talk as if they had some absolutely extraordinary offensive day like Dallas did against a good Carolina team it was fine it was better than taking nine sacks that's for sure but what frustrates me Aaron is that the offense that they ran today with fields would be a waste in Dalton's hands I don't think Dalton is going to hit seemingly a hundred percent of his deep shots because Darnell Mm -hmm. Mooney pulled in the only one that was off target so 
I, Dalton's going to hit maybe 50, maybe 40. He's really more of an intermediate thrower. And uh, Justin Fields was throwing the ball 30, 35, 40 yards in the air. That's not Dalton's game. So no. they'd have to reset everything. They'd have to, yeah. quote unquote, go back to the way things were. They'd have to not rewrite the playbook, but start calling a different direction of it. And that just feels to me like... I mean, you'd almost be asking to get yourself fired because that means another week, more than likely, of offensive schmuckerism. On or like that, we go to the or into Las Vegas and just look very mushy, and then maybe you play a little bit better against the Packers. But I don't know where your head's at. I feel like this Raiders game is one that if you can come out of this three and two, you could survive a lot of bad weeks against a lot of good good football teams but if you start that good football team slate two and three the three weeks afterwards might cost his job you know yeah no i i agree and you know i would actually at least with the way they're playing right now i'd actually label the raiders in the good football category right now i think they're a better team they're definitely a better team than what i thought i mean obviously it doesn't mean that they can't completely fall apart like they did last year but at least as of right now they're a three and no team i mean obviously we'll have to see what happens today and i can't even honestly remember. I think they might be playing right now. I hadn't even really looked at the schedule. It's been kind of a balance between football and, you know, getting the last White Sox game in and watching all the craziness go on in, in baseball. But, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. But I do agree. I, and that's kind of the thing. Like, you, like within these first four weeks, you ideally wanted to come out 3-1. and one. Obviously, that didn't happen. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're exactly, exactly where I expected them to be at. Now, I will say this. Uh, I did have them originally with a win against the Raiders. I don't know that that's going to happen now. I, I, I'm going to need to go back and watch a little bit more of what the Raiders have done. Um, but yeah, it's man, it's just tough. You, you look at some of these. You look at some of these games. Like San Francisco was even kind of a game that I had circled on the schedule. Where you know, I, I I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm buying San Francisco quite yet. But San Francisco is definitely better than I thought they would be at least at this point. So. Yeah, but I think that kind of goes back to, you know, if you go back to Dalton trying to quote unquote win games and you're not winning games, that opens that opens the door up for Justin Fields again. So it's going to be yep. a very delicate balance in, in terms of how they're going to be able to do this thing. But I do agree. If it was me personally, I'm keeping I'm keeping Justin Fields in there. there there's no benefit right now to Andy Dalton coming back in, you know, keep a fire lit under Justin Fields and whatever else. But you know, and I think that's kind of the unfortunate part with this with this bone bruise uh, that you know that that Dalton had is it doesn't really leave them enough time to have Justin Fields pull a Justin Herbert, right? It doesn't really leave them enough time to leave no doubt, and that's right. kind of the unfortunate part. But the thing I'll continue to circle back to, at least mentally for myself, is Justin Fields had a good game today. Yes, a, a good game, and th- there's nothing that you can do to take away from that at this point. So even if he goes back on the bench for the rest of the year which I don't think is going to happen. But even if he goes back on the bench for the rest of the year, this is still a much better way to go back on the bench and sit the rest of the season than it would have been a week ago. So that is at least a big plus in itself. I think what frustrates me is, so there's there's a lot of different things that as I've learned more and more and more about what goes on inside an NFL locker room, I have realized that there are a lot of misconceptions that are easy to unintentionally talk yourself into, right? Like, let's take a week of practice, Aaron. 
a week of practice is closer to one day of practice and two walkthroughs and a bunch of meetings. Because tomorrow, the whole Bears team is just going to be taking ice baths and recovering from the beating that they took today. On Tuesday, probably still going to be recovering mostly. Maybe they'll have some meetings. Wednesday and Thursday, those are your real practice days before friday you do a walkthrough saturday you travel maybe another walkthrough and then you play again sunday like reinstalling an offense it's not a seven day thing you know that's why people do these these over the buy more than likely and so for the bears to continue their habit we've seen this before aaron week three to week four last year that was atlanta to the colts for Foles wholesale change we've seen them do wholesale change for mitch a little bit afterwards i think that was actually closer to the buy though like they keep just ripping the plan up and drawing up a new one and trotting out something that's just mushy and i don't know it drives me wild, but at this point, I know I'm just strapping in and waiting for it. So, at this point, when I look going forward, I know I am excited to see what the Bears can do against some quality competition. I think you said it well. The Raiders are playing really good football right now, but it's just a matter of seeing not only what decisions the Bears are going to make, but how well the other players on their teams besides Justin Fields can prove themselves. Because at this point, I know you talked about it, like there are a lot of things that we could throw in and talk this, that, or the other about Justin Fields and say, maybe Justin Fields like could have played a little bit better here. Maybe he didn't need to make that mistake. But as far as a rookie goes, he showed us, that he could do step one. Step one is show us you can handle the things that you did well in college. Today, he did just that. Not a lot to be upset about, at least in my opinion. And I'll just say this, because Aaron, this might be the hardest part to hear. Bears fans really soak in this one. We might not get another for a really long time. But either way, Aaron, that'll about do it for this one. So let's dive into final thoughts, whether they're forward looking or about this game before we wrap things up. What are yours? Well, I think my biggest one right now is is even if Fields goes back on the bench next week, this was a good building block. And I think now as Bears fans, that the fear of ruining the development and completely damaging Justin Fields, I think we can put at least before his first game against the Browns, I think we can put that to bed. And I think, again, man, that's the biggest thing moving forward for the Bears. Like there can be a lot of issues for this team moving into the offseason. But the one issue that you cannot have is damaging Justin Fields. And I think moving out of this game, we saw that there is absolutely – and I really wasn't that worried about it. It's Justin Fields, man. This dude is rock solid mentally. He always has been. I think he's always going to be. But I think if there's one thing that we can take away from this game, win, lose, draw, whatever, all the injuries, it doesn't matter, is the fact that Justin Fields is clearly not that damaged at all by what happened last week. He was able to basically flip it and say, okay, you know, I got some learning learning opportunities off of it. I'm able to build off of this, and, and here we are. So I think that would honestly be my main takeaway, and that is absolutely 100% positive, man. After everything that happened last week, getting sacked nine times, having a probably historically one of the worst possible NFL debuts that you can possibly have as a rookie quarterback, and yet he was able to bounce back and produce what he was able to produce this week. I think, man, that is more than anything, that is probably the most important thing. Oh, man, I hadn't even thought about the bounce back angle from it. I mean, we could talk. Look, I hate talking about drops because when I talk about drops, I feel like I'm just 
talking about Trubisky again, and that's not what I want to do. But so you look at what Fields has got this season. I feel like he's put way better tape on than the stats are going to show because some of the throws that he made to to both Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson today were exceptionally difficult. Robinson should have already hauled a touchdown in in the Cincinnati game. But all that to say that I think what can be lost sometimes in all this rookie development stuff is that a rookie's job isn't to be consistent. A rookie's job is to flash. That's really it. It's, it is that simple. You get consistent in your second, usually your third year of NFL professionalism. But in your first year, just show us that you have it, whatever it is. And right now, Aaron, I'm very confident that if Justin Fields gets no better You could build a successful Tennessee-style offense around Justin Fields in his current state and still compete at a high level. Now, the bright side is, I think Fields is going to get plenty better. It's just a matter of waiting, being patient, not feeling like in week eight he has to look like some massively different player. Maybe he does. Hopefully he does. But we need to have realistic expectations about what Justin Fields is going to look like in different scenarios. It won't look like the Lions game every day. But we can go back for a little while at least and say, but he made these throws when he needed to. And one thing that we never even talked about, Aaron, was that on third and five, Fields dropped back three steps, fired the ball to Allen Robinson for a huge completion that basically put the game on ice. So... There's a lot to like in this game. His running scramble, that throw to commit I will talk about until I am blue in the face because that was Mahomes, that was Watson, that was Russell Wilson, that was Aaron Rodgers, that was that upper echelon quarterback stuff that I got a whiff of for basically the first time watching a Chicago Bears person do it instead of watching somebody do it to our defense. So, I don't know. I I am aglow this week not because the bears looked so good but because fields did and that's all that matters you know no i'm right there with you and that's the thing i think we kind of both echoed it uh wins and losses don't really matter right now man i the, the development of justin fields matters the development of this roster matters and moving forward 2022 and beyond is, is what the focus needs to be and i would say that we absolutely saw everything we needed to and more from Fields today. And again, just the the rebound factor for me is a big one, especially God bless him, but you know, especially with what happened with Trubisky over the four years, you know, there were a lot of moments when it felt it felt like Trubisky was beat down by moments. And it was good. And we see that with a lot of quarterbacks. We see that with Tons. a lot of young quarterbacks. It's it's not just a Trubisky thing. I know it's easy to kind of circle back to that. But it's easy to circle back to that because that's what we've seen as Bears fans. That's what we've seen watching this team. But a lot of guys don't have the mental part of the game. And I think that's one thing with Justin Fields that we've we've known and we're continuing to learn. And I think we'll continue to see is even if he has a bad game, he can rebound from it and he can still be the player that we all expected him to be. So that that more than anything, man, that's that's the biggest takeaway for me. Uh, and that's why I can that I can take so much positivity out of this game, regardless of win or loss. The fact that Justin Fields is able to bounce back and he did the things that we were expecting him to do. I even tweeted it out. This is the Justin Fields that we were expecting. Mm-hmm. We're finally getting to see that. And that is a great thing. Absolutely. Aaron, thank you so much for jumping on. Where can folks find your work online? 
Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming uh, on Twitter, at Aaron Lemming NFL. Messed up my own handle there. My, my cat is getting crazy right now. Uh, and then also you can read my work uh, at Windy City Gridiron. You can also read it at uh, BearReport.com. So, yeah, I'll be, I usually do two things a week for both and tweet way more than I should. I don't know why I tweet <laughs> as much as I but here we are. So, yeah, you can, that's pretty much where you can find me. I completely understand when it comes to tweeting. Seriously, Aaron, thank you so much for jumping on. Great having you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate that.